I'm John Nowacki. This is Presto from New England Public Radio. Recognized as a conductor of extraordinary versatility, Carolyn Kwan has enjoyed successful associations with top-tier orchestras, opera companies, ballet companies, and festivals worldwide. Her commitment to contemporary music has defined her approach to programming and established her as an international resource for new music and world premieres. Appointed music director of the Hartford Symphony Orchestra in 2011, she's the first woman and youngest person to hold that title. She'll continue her collaboration with the HSO through May 2022. Recipient of numerous awards, Ms. Kwan's North American engagements have included performances with the symphonies of Baltimore, Detroit, Milwaukee, San Francisco, and Seattle, the Florida and Louisville orchestras, the New York City Ballet, the Colorado Music Festival and Glimmerglass Festival, the New York City Opera, Santa Fe Opera, and Washington National Opera. International engagements have included concerts with the Bournemouth Symphony, Hong Kong Philharmonic, National Symphony of Taiwan, Orchestra de la Suisse Romane, Residenti Orchestre, Orchestra Sinfonico de Yucatan, Royal Danish Ballet, Toronto Symphony Orchestra, and the Western Australian Symphony. And to add to all of her accomplishments and awards, Ms. Kwan has been named a 2018 recipient of New England Public Radio's Arts and Humanities Award. The award recognizes those who have made a positive impact on the arts and humanities and brings awareness to the critical role played by musicians, artists, dancers, writers, teachers, and cultural institutions in Western New England. Carolyn, welcome and congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So the 2018 New England Public Radio Arts and Humanities Award has been added to the long list of awards and recognition that you've received over the years. What does it mean to you? Well, it means a lot. You know, this is home for me. You know, I went to school at Smith and I went to Northfield Mount Hermon School. So I used to joke that, you know, Bradley International Airport is where it all started. And uh, in many ways, if I could have handpicked an orchestra to have my first music director position, it would have been Hartford Symphony Orchestra. And just to be able to make a difference in this region and to be a part of this community has been really special. You are one of a seeming handful of successful women conductors in the U.S. How do you see the current climate in the classical music world as far as having women on the podium? I think actually improving, really. And I think I'm thrilled to see there have been so many focuses, not only just on conductor, but on female composers female composers in the classical world, but also in the film world. So Mm. I believe this year or last year, they had the first Academy governor for film music. So things are different. But, you know, I often joke that it's not something I think about very often, (laughs) except when I'm programming and would like to actively support female composers. I used to tell the story that when I was a student in school, I had a very supportive professor. One day he pulled me aside and he said, you know, Carolyn, you're very, very talented, but are you sure you really want to do this? (laughs) And he said, you know, you have three big strikes against you. You are female, you're Asian, and you're young. Do you really want to do this? And I remember looking at him and said, well, yeah, I do. And at least one of those things will change. You know, I'm not as young as I used to be anymore. So as it turned out, I think when I became the music director of Hartford Symphony, I believe I was the first female, the youngest and first Asian. So I guess that worked out well. 
I gather that you weren't originally thinking about a career in music when you were in school. I was not. Coming from an Asian background, I thought I would be an investment banker. My parents certainly thought that I would be in business, and my family certainly has a business background. But like most Asian girls, we started playing piano or violin as a child because it's good for upbringing. It makes us more well-rounded, and the idea. I'm sure at the time was that we would be better suited wives, <laughs> so, right? So because we're more, more elegant and you know, you know, Asian、mm. wives, we should be able to play classical instruments.、Oh, I suppose no different than Mozart's days. The、mm. ladies back then, you know, should be able to play the piano and show culture, culture and, exactly. And upbringing. Yes, I'm assuming you don't have children. I do not. I just figure because you're too busy for one thing. But if you did have children of your own, would you have them do some music? Would you have them? Play oh, absolutely. Yes, I think I would give them a choice. I think I would encourage them to try a lot of different instruments. I think music absolutely would be a part of their lives, but I think I would not tell them they have to play the piano or the violin. I think there are a lot of wonderful instruments out there, and I do believe that kids. They respond to different instruments differently, and I feel that you know each one of us certainly relate to certain instruments more. So I think I would probably have them try different ones. But as a child, I have to say my parents did a really good job of introducing me to a lot of different arts. I danced. I was a ballerina and studied piano. Of course, you know I had private lessons on math and other things. I studied flowering arrangement. I think at some point I took acting lessons. So there were a lot of different things growing up. Probably not atypical as well, but certainly growing up, I never thought I would be a professional musician. It became one of those things that I love, in part because I thought I wouldn't be able to do it later on in life. I remember telling my father that you know, look, I want to take all the music classes I can while I'm at school because once I am out of school, I'm going to be so busy banking that I won't be able to immerse myself in music. And of course, this whole conducting thing was very foreign to me. I had no idea what this conducting thing was about. How did you make that switch? Well, you know, like computer programming made sense to me, math made sense to me, physics made sense to me. And music was always the thing that the more you learn, the more questions I had. And this conducting thing, especially, I mean, what is the person doing up there? They're just waving their hands. I mean, it looks interesting, but what is that all about? So I think for me, it was always curiosity that made me want to learn more. I was a student at the Northfield Mahermann School, and I studied voice. Actually, I thought I wanted to be a singer for a long time. But in terms of the conducting, when I was at Smith College, the conductor at the time asked me to help lead sectional. And because I did that, because Smith was so small, the conductor he said, "Well, you know, why don't you come to the orchestra and help lead some sectional as well?" And one day, I came to school. One of our alum, Susan Rose. At Smith College, decided to give four students a scholarship to go study music in the summer. I think I had an internship at the Citibank in Taiwan that summer. And you know, one day I came to school, and Jonathan pulled me aside and said, "You know, you have five thousand dollars to go study conducting if you like, because we figure you've been helping so much that maybe you want to actually learn what this is about." <laughs> so I went to Hart at the time, took a conducting course, went to Tufts. Study German and French that summer, I think, and then went to Tanglewood for a month and, and see how that. 
You know, I think it was the beginning, and because、okay. you know, when an alum gives you money to go study, you have to have something to show for.、Mm. So Smith College put me in front of an orchestra and conducted my very first piece. And Susan, Miss Rose, was so impressed; she encouraged me to apply to grad school. I got in, and I got a full scholarship. So、mm. I told that, you know, look, I can always go home and be an investment banker later. Let me figure out what this conducting <laughs> thing is about. I think actually it wasn't until I became the music director of Hartford Symphony I finally told that that you know I think I'm not coming home to be a banker. <laughs> I think I'm going to stay here and be a conductor. Did you have particular role models when you were studying music? You know, you draw inspiration from a lot of different people, right? I mean, certainly later on as a conductor, Marin Alsop was a mentor, and she's now a friend. That journey is always wonderful as well. You go from everything they say is the Bible to, wait a minute, I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the work that you're doing with the symphony orchestra in general. How do you see the role of the symphony orchestra in the community these days? Is there a future? Absolutely. The way I think about it, I think the orchestras these days have opportunities that they never used to have. Twenty years ago, symphony orchestras' focus is on: we play great music. Come listen to it. This is the only place you get to hear this amazing music, and we still do that. But nowadays, with technology, you can hear a lot of different music on YouTube, on Spotify. But of course, live music is still—it's different. There's something special when you're in the concert hall listening to a piece of music. But the part that is going through a change is how, as a symphony orchestra and arts organization, how we relate to the audience. And for me, ever since I became the music director, my vision has always been that the symphony orchestra is there to serve the community. We shift the mindset a little bit and say, "What does the community need, and how can we give you that? How can we be a part of your life?" And so, what that means is, in terms of programming, in terms of how we think about how we relate, how we engage with our community, has changed how we do things. So, just to give you some examples, when I first became the music director of Hartford, the mayor at the time said, "Well, we want more people downtown listening, going to the restaurants." And most people would have said, "Well, that has nothing to do with the symphony orchestra." But at the time, I thought, "Well, great. That's what our mayor wants to do. Let us help." So we came up with a series of ideas, culminating to a concert called "Playing with Food," where we partner with several of the downtown restaurants. So the chefs and I would get together, and I said, "Well, what's your signature dish?" He would say, "Well, it's tortellini." And then, you know, I, we would have a tasting. I'm like, "Wow, that sounds like this piece of music with this orchestration." And then I would give him the opposite challenge and say, "Well, here's a piece of music." So I would play him or her four or five different pieces and see which one the chef responds to. And the chef then would create a dish inspired by the music. At the concert, we have these stunning photos, and then we would talk about the food and the music and how they relate to each other. And of course, we cross promote. We encourage people after the concert to go to the restaurants. So, you know, sort of different way of thinking what symphony orchestra could do. Lately, we have a new concert series called Intermix. You start to think about how to create experience for the audience. Why not actually have people choose the kind of experience they want to have? 
So we've been doing different concerts at different venues, some at the brewery, some at the Real Art Way, which mm-hmm. is contemporary art space. We're in the middle, and we encourage our audience to actually walk around and decide where you want to experience the concert from. You can literally see the trombone player's music. That's how close we encourage people to do. And in the same concert, we often have two pieces of music going on at two different spaces, and we ask our musician to repeat them. So you can choose to listen to Beethoven, or you can choose to listen to a contemporary piece of music. You can choose to listen to the piece of music again, or you can go to the other place. You can stand in the middle of the space and try to listen to both pieces at the same time, create your own, you know, Ives experience. <laughs> You've been described as having this firm commitment to contemporary composers. So what are some of the considerations when you're programming? What are some of the things that you think about? Well, a lot of different things. As music director, your responsibility is sometimes a little bit different than you are just a musician designing your own concert. I have to think about the audience, where the kind of music I enjoy may not be the kind of music the audience enjoy. And I always tell our audience that, you know, it's okay not to like everything. There's absolutely no reason you have to like everything. You've you know? actually said that. Yes, all the time. When you go to a gallery, when you go to a museum, you don't expect to like everything. But as an intellectual, we want to explore things. And in that spirit, it's the actual experiencing that is in many ways way more important than if you like something. So when deciding what to play, I want to think about taking our audience on a journey. And I have to say, I'm very grateful to the audience. For the most part, our audience has very much enjoyed their experiences. Have you ever felt like you might have pushed them too far? Oh, yes. But but even then, I have to say, I've never had the experience where the entire audience revolted. <laughs> <You're very laughs> like right of spring, right? <laughs> you mentioned a little bit earlier about some of the music that you might enjoy. Who are some of your favorite composers? Well, I have a wide range. It's like asking me, what kind of food do I like? So composer, same thing. There is a significant range of music that I like. I thrive on hearing new things and just try to understand where the composer is coming from. I think it's piece dependent. I don't think there is a single composer whose work, every single piece, has that impact. It's really piece dependent. So that brings me to, is there a particular piece of music that you're just itching to do with the symphony and you haven't done it yet? There are a lot of, there are a lot of pieces that we want to share with the audience. I don't think there is a piece that dying to do that I haven't been able to do. I want to say that I've had a lot of, what's the word, free reign in terms of support from the musicians, from the board, really even from our audience. I feel like I have their trust and they're willing to join us on the journey. How about recordings? I actually have. My recording of Philip Glass's Life, A Journey Through Time was released May or April And it's a project I've been with for a long time. The original concept is music by Philip Glass with the stunning photography by former National Geographic resident photographer Franz Lanting. And he spent, I don't know, seven years all over the world documenting life with these stunning photos. And the performance really encouraged people to think about our world, our responsibility as human beings in this world. And it was really wonderful to be able to record the music. And I think on his website, he kind of combines the two. 
You can see the images as well. Listen to the music. I've also recorded under the Naxos label to piano arrangement of Butterfly Lover Concerto. It's originally for violin, for violin but right. But there's arrangement for piano. So it's always interesting to be a part of the new project. You clearly enjoy being on the podium. What is it about conducting that satisfies you the most? Gosh, I think doing what I do is a privilege. I think it is a huge responsibility because at the end of the day, I don't make any sounds, right? So I have a responsibility to do my best to understand what a composer wants, and I think that's probably why I love new music so much because you know, I can't exactly call up Mozart and say, "What do you want exactly?" You know, how do you envision the structure and the pacing, and what are you trying to say? So when you have a live composer working with you, you get to ask all these questions, and actually, even more exciting sometimes. Because I do a lot of opera, especially contemporary opera as well. I remember there's this one story where we were rehearsing, and at one point the stage director turned to the composer and said, "You know what? This really feels like it needs to move. Can we go faster?" And the composer said, "Yes, of course, of course. You know, we can go faster." And then, so the stage director turned around to talk to the singers, and the composer turned to me, said very quietly, "Don't do it." Really, don't do it. <laughs> So what did you do? Did I you think do? I split the difference, <laughs> you know. But that's the beauty of being able to work with a composer. But going back to your original question, so my job is to serve the composer. My job is doing my best to serve the musicians as well. They're the one who actually have to make the music, and only if they are excited and they feel the music, then the audience can enjoy it. And I think if there's one thing that makes me most excited. And again, this is always after the fact, right? It's when performances that somehow it all comes together. You feel like you're at one with the musician. Somehow you've done a, your job of translating the essence of the music to the musician. Somehow they are embracing that and sharing with the audience in the moment performing. That you feel like the concert hall, the audience, the musician. The composer that we are all just in the moment. Have you ever had a young girl come up to you and say, "I want to be a conductor like you"? Often. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you tell them? Encourage them. You know, I mean, it's another responsibility. You know, as artists, that we have the responsibility to be role models and to do our best to have solid integrity in what we do to be decent human beings. So, when a young girl comes and approach me. I'm down to earth. I want to hear about them. So I usually ask them, you know, what they currently do, what they play, and depending on how old they are. I mean, if they're three, it's a different right. conversation than、right. if they're fifteen or twenty or twenty-five. When you are a conductor, when you're a musician, when you're a leader, when you're a music director, there is a responsibility, a significant one, to have strong integrity and to be a human being and to do the best you can to embody that spirit. I've been talking with Hartford Symphony Orchestra's conductor and music director Carolyn Kwan. Carolyn, thank you so much for taking time to visit today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Let us know what you think about Presto. Review us on Apple Podcasts or send an email to radio at nepr.net. The executive producer of Presto is John Vosey. I'm John Nowacki. Thanks for listening. Presto is a production of New England Public Radio.